1: Welcome to the Man City Show. It's Sarah Messenger in the chair at the end of one momentous week for City and the start of another one. We'll look back at possibly City's finest performance yet in the Champions League, a 3 0 home win against Bayern Munich, and contemplate the return leg this coming Wednesday. But City aren't just in the hunt for one trophy, we're looking for three. So we'll also cast an expert eye over the 3 1 Premier League win over Leicester. I look forward to an FA Cup semi-final against Sheffield United next Saturday. So speaking loosely of experts, I'm delighted to be joined by three of the best. So welcome to David Blakeney.
2: Good
1: hello, evening, David. Sarah. Hi, David. Hello, Edward. Edward Timpson. Hi there, Sarah. Hello, Edward. And finally, hello, Stephen. always. Hi, Sarah. Hello, Stephen. OK, well, let's start with the, um, the fantastic performance in the Champions League. Uh, on Tuesday night against Bayern, a great 3-0 home win. Edward, let me start with you. Do, you. do you agree with me that it was probably City's finest performance in the Champions League so far?
0: Well, it's hard to think of a, a, a better one. Uh, we've not played Bayern before in the Champions League, so that in itself uh, was was a novelty that we had to get over. But yeah, I mean, every player uh, was a 7-plus out of 10 quite a few nines in there as well. I remember the conditions. I mean, the rain was absolutely lashing down. Uh, Pretty much everyone who thought they were going to be undercover in the stands turned out not to be. So it it wasn't the easiest conditions to play football in, but, uh, you know, they were ruthless. They were aggressive. uh, They were focused. uh, Really really mature performance from everyone on the pitch. They all took responsibility. uh, And there wasn't a single player who wasn't on top of their game. I think the one change which was bringing in Bernardo for, for Mares. I mean, that worked an absolute treat. Uh, and uh, so for the first time for a while, we can say that actually uh, the, the one change that Guardiola made wasn't massive, um, uh, but it did make a difference and it, it made us even stronger. So uh, we, we, it was a, it was a wonderful night to be at the Etihad. I mean, for me, it was probably a, one of a, probably a top five experience, just, just the atmosphere, the way we played, Uh, the stage of the Champions League. Uh, It was just uh, a a pleasure to be there.
1: It it was fantastic, wasn't it? And and you're right about the atmosphere. Uh, And and also the point you made around the fact that the whole team played really well. Stephen, was Edward being a bit mean saying it was seven out of tens? Uh, Did anyone let us down on on Tuesday? Were they all nines or tens out of tens? They
3: They were all just brilliant. The whole game plan, I know Edward touched on kind of Pep's overthinking and all the history of, we know he makes a lot of changes. He made one really interesting change, which was Stones, obviously in midfield, but when we didn't have the ball, he went to centre-back and Akanji was right back as opposed to the reverse, which we'd seen in the league. So that is Pep thinking, but it works. And therefore, you know, he's a genius again, which is his point that you can't just judge him on the end product, but everything he did, worked everything the players did we just Bayern are a really good team I know by the end they were a bit disheveled and you know we're almost disappointed we didn't score more than three and but they had their chances in the first half Um, Diaz put a brilliant block in when Edison was wrong-footed and they they passed through us a couple of times because they're a, a quality team but that said we made them look so average in the second half like we were just on it and everything that's good about City when we are playing well, that intense pressing and uh, winning the ball back high up and Haaland being clinical and De Bruyne being a differently level to everybody else, Grealish this season. Like it was the best of City and it made a really, really strong team look bang average.
1: Yeah, and I think, I think the point you and Edward made, which I'm going to ask you about, David, the, the defensive performance was, I'm not sure I've ever seen a City defence, under pressure, play that well before? What, what did you think of the defensive side of things?
2: Uh, I think when we played Atletico a couple a few years ago, in that second leg, I think that might be near look, we were brilliant that day. Um, I've said nearly every time I've come on the podcast that we needed some consistency and we needed our best players back. Diaz and Stones, and I just think, Now we've got them all back. They're all playing well. Diaz is getting back to his best. We needed them all to have time together because when they're all our best players at the bat, last year we were without four of them last year. They were all injured. And when we played Real Madrid, that was a problem this year. They're all back and they're looking so much better. You feel a bit confident again, don't you? And um, yeah, there's no doubt when all our players are fit at the bat, we've got a very good Defense and uh, a bit of height as well, which makes a difference. So, uh, yeah, brilliant performance, aren't
1: I? it? It says something, isn't it, when Laporte's name isn't on the team sheet, and we're not all thinking what the hell's going on. I mean, he was a, a you know one of the first names down not that long ago, and now he, he I mean, he, whether he's going to move on in the summer, we don't know. But he's he's not a shooing anymore, is he? I mean, kanji's definitely taken that spot or one of the spots. In terms of the attacking and the goals that we scored, and you mentioned, I think, Stephen, the the chances we missed. I mean, I don't want to turn just yet to the, the return leg, but do you think 3-0 was a fair reflection on the night?
3: <laughs> it was on the night. Um, Bayern had sort of 10, 15 minutes of madness, which we've had in the past, I can think of field away in probably both the league and the Champions League where you just crumble and, you know, they swarm all over, you get two or three goals and the game's over. Bayern had that and we pounced. And when it's 2-0, you think, oh, you'd love for it to be 3-0 and at 3-0 you think you'd love for it to be 4 because all it takes is for them to score an early goal in the second leg and suddenly you're, you're slightly on edge. Um, but I think it was a fair reflection. Just if I may, jumping back to the Laporte point, I think you're exactly right. We'd have gone into this season, I think all of us, and said Laporte is one of our best two centre-backs. Well, you know, we're very lucky we've got Stones, Diaz and Laporte, who are all outstanding. Diaz, I think, is the leader at the back. He sort of brings everybody up a level with him. Laporte is unlucky because he was injured at the start of the season because he played through pain at the end of last season. And then Ake has been perfect. You know, Ake, the new system that we play with, of Akaya left-back slash left-centre-back, he's probably more comfortable doing that than Laporte in terms of going out to the wide areas and stocking the crosses coming in. Laporte, I think, is our best defender on the ball. So if we're building up from the back, I think he's key. He's just unlucky, I think, in in terms of how Pep has tried to adapt to to this season. It would be a, a huge shame to see him go because you're not going to replace him with someone of that quality, especially left-footed. But from his Point of view, I'm sure you can understand. He's frustrated. He's not playing as much as he wants, and you know, as we've seen with Cancelo and others in the past, Pep doesn't want those grumpy players in the squad who bring that mood down. So it's one you can understand from all sides. But I think it'd be a real blow to lose Laporte and his quality from from the back line.
1: Yeah, uh, well, I guess we've got a similar question mark over Walker at the moment after um, Pep's comments on. Him not being able to adjust to the the tactics that he's playing at the moment. Any thoughts from you, Edward, on the on the kind of defensive performance and and how much that was the bedrock for what we actually achieved on the night?
0: Well, you you saw for uh, the first time in quite a while. Uh, not only was Edison really well protected, but also when Edison was called upon, we saw some decent saves. I think. Uh, from Sane in particular, I think the start of the second half. So actually, ev- every single one of them perform their task. But the other thing I think that's really shifted this season is their their synergy, their ability to work as a unit, uh, and also to link up with. So Ake with Grealish. I mean, that's a that's really matured as a partnership. Uh, and the way that Stones comes in off off the right, uh, working with with Mares or uh, with Bernardo, and also now doing longer, sort of more direct forward balls to De Bruyne. Uh, so, so it's all clicking into place. I mean, I remember when we first bought Ake, everyone assumed he'd just be a squad player, uh, maybe come on in cup games, but he must be one of the most improved players this season in, in the Premier League at the level that he's now playing at. And Akanji, who sort of came from nowhere. Uh, so we've we we, we we've been extremely fortunate, but I think it goes back to something we discussed uh, a few weeks ago on the podcast, is, is our, our scouting operation. Uh, you compare it to maybe at the other end of the scale, Chelsea, who... Seem to just buy by anybody who says that they're worth over 100 million. Assume they'll fit into their team. It's, it's really smart, clever recruitment, Uh but also they then have to gel as a team, and that's what we we saw in bucket loads against Bayern and uh the fact that they shut them out. Four uh, one, I suppose, would be a fair, fairest result uh, on the on the on the night. But but three nil and a clean sheet uh, is testament to the fact that those players that have come in have taken us up another level. And I don't want to lose Laporte, uh, and uh, he has got a bit more game time more recently. But uh, in the run, we're going to need him. And the next season, I think we're going to need that that quality uh, at the back because we're bound to get an injury.
1: So so let's let's move to the return leg, since we're on the subject of Bayern Munich. Um, Wednesday night. Uh, I think you're right, Stephen. I think most city fans would have to have been 7-0 up for us not to have some kind of palpitation if if Bayern score first. Um, but let's be honest, I think 3-0 was as good as we could possibly have hoped for in the in the home leg. Um, David, do you, do you think we should play the same team and play in a similar way? Or do you think we should go? With a different lineup, particularly defensively. So, for example, putting Walker in it right back and play the conventional back four. What are your thoughts about how Pet might want to set up on on Wednesday?
2: Um, I think we probably need to play slightly more defensively for at least the first 30 minutes and just probably just let them as we've done sometimes very well, let them have a pos- more possession than we would normally have, but be a bit tighter. I think the Atletico performance I've referred to is one way. And, and we have seen occasionally playing a bit more defensive, but hitting people on the break can expose them as well. And I think he'll probably be, I think he'll want to be tight for half an hour. And I don't think he'll go for it at the beginning. And then... I think we'll pose a danger with just being good on the counter-attack, really. So that's what I think he'll do.
3: It's one of those that you almost wish away goals was in existence. Yeah, again, I know. we thinking one, that. They'd score five. But yeah. I, I, I sort of agree with, exactly with what David said. You want to take the sting out of the game for they're going to come at us as soon as the whistle goes. So if you can get through 10, 15, 20 minutes and settle into things. But I, it's almost the mentality. I reckon Pep will say, let's get on the front foot because the best way is if we score and it just deflates them. I I, I think Pep will be really reluctant to say, let's just sit back, soak up pressure, play on the counter because that's not what we do generally. And I don't think he'll want to change that psychologically. So I'd play the same team. It's worked. I'm sure, you know, Tuchel will try and do something different and Pep will think about what he does differently. But... It's pretty much our best 11, with Foden out, I think, especially. So, um, yeah, I reckon Pep will do something very similar to what we saw in the first leg. Yeah, I,
1: th- I mean, I think that's what it'll do. Uh, uh, do, you, do. Edward, do you think we'll score in Munich?
0: Uh, I think we should be scoring at least one goal uh, when you look at uh, the, the the way that they've been playing in the last, well, the last 10 games that we won on the trot. I think the last five games scored something like Twenty-something goals, so uh, yeah, we, we we should be scoring. I think they're going to want to really get control of the game early on. Perhaps uh, have more possession than than we would normally uh, expect in an away game. Try and snuff them out that way. And I, I expect it to be a very similar team. But the the one question mark is: Does he go as was alluded to before a sort of classic back four, or stick with this sort of in, inverted um, uh, approach? Uh, the fact that Stones was taken off uh, early in the, the Leicester game uh, suggests that he's going to play him, uh, which also suggests he's going to stick with that that same inverted uh, uh, way way of uh, deploying him on the right and into the midfield. But I, 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 I mean, Harlem will play. Um, whether he plays the whole game is, is another matter. He seems to get at half these days. Uh, but on his current form, you have to expect him to score. And I, I, if we can score one goal, that will be enough. Um, but we need to we need to make sure that we score first, uh, if at all possible. So that first half an hour is going to be absolutely crucial.
1: Yeah, I, don't, I really don't want to be two nil down after half an hour. <laughs> oh, a nice relaxing evening would be is all we require. So let, let's wrap up the conversation by a quick quick view from you all. Um, are we going to win or are we going to are we going to get through following the leg on Wednesday, Stephen?
3: I think we'll get through. Um, whether we win on the night, I'm not sure. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's kind of a one-all, two-all on the night. But I think we've got enough of a gap from the first leg. To get through. Good. David?
2: Maybe 3-1 to Bayern. and We'll just scrape through. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's right. Bring us all back down to earth, David. Um, Edward, can you can you end on a more optimistic note in terms of the result or how we're going to do in Munich?
0: Yeah, I think we're going to win three one. I think they're just going to be um, uh, just a, another great performance. Uh, there'll be a, a, a small moment of anxiety, but uh, we'll we'll have too much for them.
1: So there we go. Our panel of experts united in a view that it will be a defeat, a win or a draw. So let's see what Wednesday brings. Um, Let's take a short break and we will come back and discuss the other two cups that city are hunting.
2: Sick of being upsold at gyms.
1: So let's turn to another of our City's ambitions, which is to win the Premier League title for the third year in a row, Uh, five in six years if we do it. Um, It's been an interesting weekend. City were at home to Leicester, Uh, the proverbial game of two halves, which uh, seems to be the common view that I'm reading on Twitter. Um, Stephen, when Saturday's performance, um, some would say we won 3-1, players got rested what's the problem did you see any problems with the performance on Saturday
3: not really because the only problems came when the game was over Um, we were so good in the first half or especially the first half an hour really that we could afford to make all those changes obviously Leicester had chances the last few minutes and it you know, if Madison scores the one-on-one and Kelechi goes in instead of hit the post, of course, we look like we've got egg on our face. But we were so far ahead and so comfortable that we could be complacent. That's probably the wrong thing to say. And Pep, you saw his comments after the game that he probably held his hands up. He made too many changes and that affected the rhythm. But I think he had to, off the back of a tough first leg, those conditions that Edward talked about, in the first part of the show that would have taken so much out of the players you've got the second leg in this midweek i think pep had to rest the big names that he took off It's always going to impact the performance but you know the fact we were three nil up at halftime meant he could afford to do that
1: so I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? Because we're we're constantly told that City have got two fantastic first teams, you know, and that if you played our in inverted commas reserves, they'd probably finish fifth in the Premier League. Um, but David, just picking up on the point Stephen made around that performance in the second half. Um, you know, full full credit for the brilliance in the first, but in the second half, should our should the players who were coming in be good enough to maintain some of those standards rather than let them drop in the way it felt?
2: I think they were... I don't think we're good enough as a second team to be that good. Um, I think... How can... Yeah, we, we tend to do that. If we play our sort of five substitutes like that, we always drop off. I think we're much better when we make just one or two changes, even three, but five changes of that scale, I don't think that team is good enough. And it, they were a little bit exposed. Remember, we did now have Foden around as well to bring all. So, you know, I think we're a little bit weak. And I think, you. I'm sure you'll go on to Kelvin Phillips later, but, you know, it was just a very poor mistake we made to let them back into the game. Had we not done that, we would have been comfortable. And I think Pep probably did do the right thing at that time. It was just one stupid mistake and it puts... As we know, the collie wobbles back into us because suddenly we're all at the edge of our seats. So, um, yeah,
1: yes. I mean, look, look, if you'd left all those players on and they got injured, or we'd, yeah. we'd all be, uh, we'd all be having plenty to say about it on this podcast. But Edward, what? did you? Yeah, did Did anyone come on and impress you of the subs?
0: not really uh if i'm brutally honest uh i mean it was i think it was inevitable because of, of the reasons david said if you if you make wholesale changes like that you either do it because you're losing a game badly and you're desperate and you'd well let's just make uh, um half the team uh change on the pitch and see if that somehow creates some magic dust or when you're running away with it, it's an opportunity just to get some others out there for goodness and game time. But, you know, if you take off Grealish, bring on Gomez, take off Rodri, bring on Phillips, take off KDB, and bring on Palmer, whilst all uh, Ake, Kanji, and Gundogan not playing from the start, it's inevitable that you're going to see uh, a, a drop in performance. I, but it is a little bit worrying that some of the players that we brought in, so being slightly counterintuitive, my point about great scouting going up early on, uh, that that we we you know we had Zinchenko and we brought Gomez in uh, is, is Phillips a step up from what we've had before in, in midfield? Palmer has shown a lot of promise, uh, but has he really kicked on to the next level? So and it, it, it also makes some of the players around Even Diaz was a bit discombobulated uh, with so many changes and made made the odd mistake. So it's a it's a little concerning that when we do have to resort to the the sort of second team of the squad that we we can't play to the same level. But hey-ho, you know, we, at least we're not Chelsea. You have 44 uh, first team players and they can't find one good 11. So I've got to be grateful for small mercies. But uh, there's there's going to be, I think, a refresh over the summer of some of those positions. Uh, so I'm interested to see what they do to try and uh, make sure we don't have such a, a gap between the, the sort of elite 11 uh, and those that are coming on uh, to try and, keep us in a game that we should have won comfortably and not had any uh, any hiccups
1: well I, I think we can all agree uh, with your quote at least we're not Chelsea um, you know, <laughs> you know, if, if we really wanted to be depressed that's uh, that's something we'd be uh, well we'd be very glad to avoid that I, I I just want to pick up on this point around those performances you mentioned you've all mentioned a few players there um can we talk about Kelvin um, it, you know, I'm 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 in two minds at the moment as to whether it's the usual first season syndrome that we've seen with other players who've then turned into players that we've absolutely loved and been amazing, and um, we can list them obviously. I mean, the obvious one about is Grealish, but Rodri, um, Fernandinho actually we didn't didn't set the world alight when he first um, started, and, and and there are others as well. So we all know that, um, and to be fair to Phillips, he's probably had less chances than most of those players got in their first season, um, you know, for reasons which may be linked to fitness um, and, and, and just the way the team is performing, lack of injuries, et cetera. Um, but are we, are we concerned about Calvin, Phil- Calvin Phillips, or do we think that he, he's going to be fine and once he gets into the second season and plays a bit more and feels like he belongs that he'll prove to be a good buy. Um, Stephen, what do you think about Kelvin Phillips?
3: I, I really don't know because, as you said, he's barely played. So, it, you know, Grealish is the obvious example of someone who's done much better this season. But even last season, Pep played him and played him and played him, sometimes, mostly on the left, sometimes at the false nine. But clearly Pep felt there was something there that he could work with and he would take time. Phillips we just haven't seen. And partly that's injuries earlier on in the season. Partly it's because Rodri is so good, and actually that's such an important position for us that you know, it's not like you can, if you're holding midfield, it takes a bit of time to adapt. You're, you're other you know. Whereas Grealish might not do anything last season, you've got enough attacking players to still create chances and score. That position in midfield is so pivotal that I don't think he will get a chance. Maybe Sheffield United in the cup. I can't see him starting another game this season. So it's really hard when he's not played, but is that because Pep doesn't like what he's seeing in training and he's a, just a different type of player. You see when he comes on, he, he kind of wants to play these big crossfield passes and that's not really what Rodri does. He does it occasionally, but generally it's he gets the ball and he gives it to someone near him and he just keeps us ticking over. So, you, I really want to see Phillips do well. He starts for England. He's obviously not a bad player. I just question, is he a City player? Does he play Pep's style of football? But I don't have the answer to that because we haven't seen whether he can or can't play. So there's a lot of talk. Will he go? What happens in midfield? I think I'm sure we'll come on to Gundogan and Bernardo and they might be leaving. I don't think Pep would want to lose a third midfielder, even if it's Phillips who hasn't featured too much so it's a very long-winded way of saying I don't really know but I'd like to see him given the opportunity to show what he can do. I
1: think that's an important point isn't it around the potential losses in midfield in the summer if if Gundogan and Bernardo go allegedly the club are trying to persuade them both to stay but Gundogan seems reasonably set on going to Barcelona, and who can blame him after this service he's given us? He's another one who nobody was impressed with in the first season, from uh, recollection. and He got an injury as well, didn't he? But um, my my concern with Phillips David is that he—I I still think he looks as if he doesn't think he belongs, and there's a sort of lethargy to his performance that whether that's a fear of making a mistake, I don't know. But do you, what what do you think about Kelvin Phillips? Do you think he's going to come good?
2: Well, yeah, it's a tough one. I mean, first of all, he got lambasted as the fat one. (laughs) That doesn't help your confidence. Um, And got dropped because of that. He, I think, listen, for England, he's been very good. You know, we've had the same conversation about Grealish last year. None of us. Yeah. Grealish was scared to play. He didn't have the freedom to play. He didn't have Pep's confidence at that stage. You know, the Pep factor for any new player is really hard. And to fit in and work the way you're told to work, yeah, is really difficult. So will Pep do his magic on Phillips for next year? I think that's the question because he's obviously worked his magic on every other player that's got into his second season. I mean, well, Harden's a different case, but in general... um. I just think we've got to wait till next year and see what happens. I mean, you can't let him go now. I mean, after all, you know, if we do lose a couple of you know, Bernardo, that'd be a disaster losing those two. But I think, yeah, you can't say it. I think you just got to wait till next year. I mean he's had no game time. Then the disruption of the World Cup. And he had injuries, and he was overweight. I mean, he's just not fitted in. But give him give him next season and we'll see what happens. And are you with
1: Kelvin Edward? Give him another season, let's see. How it pans out? Because presumably he spoke to his mate Jack before he came, who must have told him how hard it is to adjust and the sort of levels that are expected of you. So you'd think he would have been reasonably prepared for what he's enduring at the moment. Edward, what do you think?
0: Yeah, and no, I think I think I think think the other two have uh, done a good analysis of where we've ended up by this stage of the season. Is the, the jury's still out? We need to give him more game time. Pre-season maybe for next season be an opportunity for Pep to get more understanding of what he's capable of. Um, it also depends, you know, are they going to bring another big marquee holding midfielder player in over the summer uh, Bellingham or Rice or wherever it may be, where does that leave us uh, and leave him in the in the pecking order? But I think there's we've seen enough quality from him playing for England. I mean, remember he was England's player of the tournament not that long ago in in a big international event. Uh, so you know, he's definitely got the credentials. I think there's just a lack of game time, lack of confidence, uh, and uh, and probably match fitness uh, in in all of that. And, but it's hard to see at the moment how he's going to get a run in the team, particularly this stage of the season where every game is a cup final. So next season is going to be the one where he's going to have to prove his worth, but, uh, preseason will give him a, I think, uh, sort of a bit of a shot window to, to demonstrate that, you know, he is an important cog in the wheel.
1: So so this was meant to be the happy show because, of course, we've had a really great week and we've got a fantastic week ahead of us and now I've I've ended up getting us to talk about all the things that that might go wrong. But since we've talked about the hideous prospect of Bernardo and Gundogan possibly moving on in the summer um, and and you've mentioned Bellingham as one option but, you know, that won't be straightforward. Um, If we do lose them, quick thoughts on the kind of players we might need to sign to at least halfway plug the gap because they're pretty much certainly Bernardo is irreplaceable. But any quick thoughts on midfielders we might be interested in? Stephen?
3: <laughs> Thanks. I mean, Bernardo's impossible to replace because he's so good in so many different positions. You can hardly sign someone who can do a job at left-back away at Arsenal and then right wing against Bayern Munich and false nine for two seasons and central midfield and run the show. You can't get that player. The interesting thing, both Bernardo and Gundogan, actually, though, when they're in that midfield, they, they, don't, they don't play the same role maybe that De Bruyne does. De Bruyne is almost given a bit more freedom to play that risky pass. And you don't want him to lose the ball, but you want him to try things. Whereas Gunduin and Bernardo just keep it moving. It's almost like David Silva when he was here that it's just give the ball the game is played at their tempo so the amount of times you see Gundogan get it and just kind of keep everything calm and give it to Rodri and get it again and move the angles it would need that sort of player to dictate the pace of the game because you're still going to have De Bruyne trying his ambitious passes Foden probably is more similar to De Bruyne in that he wants to take a risk take people on so you kind of need the safer in inverted commas option and uh, you know that's a tricky player to sign i think pep would be loath to lose both of them in the same transfer window but it looks as if both probably want to leave so yeah it does leave us a bit of a dilemma there so,
1: so david edward any quick names you want to throw into the hat or shall we should we move on
0: well, I thought Leroy or Sane looked quite good when uh, <laughs> <laughs> we played against us. Uh, but uh, I think I think I would make my wife happier than uh, and, than uh, than myself if she was to come back her favourite player. But uh, but no, the thing is, a lot of the players that I thought potentially the sort of Zhao Felix or those sorts of players that have gone into the Premier League other teams haven't really fired um, on all cylinders. Maybe playing for City, they would be very uh, able to play at a high level with the people around them. But the, the moment there's no one who jumps out. Uh, apart from you know the really really big uh, big names, uh, which most of them are at PSG or uh, or do we all do
1: we all want Bellingham Barcelona. if we can get? you
0: all one of those teams, but uh, certainly I would. Yeah, absolutely.
2: Yeah, yeah, I'd want Bellingham, but also I think our scouting. I mean, when you look at a Kanji and people like that now, yeah, the scouting team are pretty shrewd now, aren't they, at picking up players that are under the radar. So if we don't get Bellingham, I'm sure they'll come up with something pretty good. They are good players out there, but Bellingham would be great, especially with the other England players. There's something about him maybe and Foden and, and Jack and uh, Stone. You know, all those England players together, I think, would be brilliant for us.
1: Fantastic. Well, let's turn to the final trophy that we're hunting this season, which is the FA Cup semi-final coming up on Saturday against Sheffield United Um, I mean I feel feel bad in a way for McAtee and Doyle because they're not allowed to play in the semi-final I'm not sure how comfortable they'd have felt playing against City but you know for for a lot of footballers it might be the probably not them because they're good but might be the only chance they get to play in an FA Cup semi-final so Sheffield United will be depleted because they're both really good players and more than, more often than not, start or, or come on for uh, Sheffield United. But how are we feeling about the game on Saturday? Is it a one to, again, play the strongest team? Or is it one, David, where we should give people a, some people a bit of a rest and play a slightly weaker team?
2: I think play a reasonably strong team, maybe give a couple of players a rest um, and, you know, I would possibly maybe say Haaland and let, um, uh, you know, let Alvarez play for him. Maybe someone in midfield just let, um, I don't know, if Foden, Foden's not ready yet. But yeah, maybe a couple of players, try and get a, a lead at half-time, a couple of goal lead, and then, then he can afford to take a couple of players and give them a bit of a rest after that. So, I mean, let's face it, it's quite a nice tie for us to have. At this stage, the ties at the moment are working reasonably well between the space of time and who we're playing, yeah? So we know we've got Arsenal playing. So to have Sheffield United, we've got the Bayern game. We know what we're doing. We've got a week before the Arsenal game. So you've got to be slightly careful with the Arsenal game coming up. But at least it's Sheffield United and we're not playing like a mega, you know, like a Liverpool or whatever. So... Yeah, I think he's just got to make two or three changes and maybe just get a lead and then just hold where we are. But I'm sure he's going to be slightly cautious.
1: Yeah, at least we're not playing that lot, as I refer to them. So that's a relief. Um, Edward, what do you think about the team for Saturday and how Pep should approach it?
0: I think David's right. Probably some of the big guns will be on the bench and we'll only bring them on if we need to later on in the game. Maybe KDB might not play from the start. Uh, Ortega will probably be in goal. So there'll be one or two changes, but, you know, Sheffield United won't be a complete walkover. I know they're not sort of perennial Wembley attenders like we are, but they're, you know, they're second in the championship. They're probably going to come up. They've won their last game uh, against Cardiff 4-1. Uh, they're on a good run of form. Then again, they lost, uh, I think they lost to, Burnley, who obviously have run away with it under Vincent, uh, so they, they did have. Then they lose as about as one in four. They, they, they did exactly, yeah, yeah. So, and and they've got this far in the cup competition, so they they, they clearly uh, you know can play uh, a style of football which which works well in in uh, in a cup atmosphere. So, and their supporters will be delirious the fact that they're whether they just sit it is their big day out. We'll have to wait and see. But uh, it's, I think City will be far too strong, too much on the bench uh, and. Uh, although we will make some changes, uh, I'd, I'd like to see Alvarez start. Actually, I think he he was fantastic when he came on against Bayern. His uh, work he did out there on the on the right and the, the left foot cross he put over stones to nod it on to uh, to, to score. Uh, he, he's I, he's I could see he could become my nearly my favourite player. I always say nearly because I was, I would have to leave, leave someone reserve, but I just think he epitomises great scouting. Uh, but also uh, everything that we love watching at City. So let's let's see Alvarez score a couple against Sheffield United on Saturday.
1: Fantastic. And, and Stephen, any any danger of complacency on Saturday? Do you think?
3: No, I actually think in hindsight the second half against Leicester will help on that front because I don't think Pep will make wholesale changes. Um, I agree with Bob. Both Edward and David have said two or three, probably similar in some ways to the team that played against Leicester where Laporte came in for Ake and Walker was in for Akanji. I agree, probably Ortega comes in, Alvarez comes in. But, you know, that's it. I don't think Phillips will start. I don't think Gomez will start. I think Palmer will start. I think it's very much a case of play a very strong team, be up at half-time or after an hour and then make changes if you want to rest people for Arsenal. I think Pep will avoid making too many tweaks. Um, the Arsenal game is huge, though, so that that's the priority, but we've got a strong enough core of probably 15 or 16 players um, that he can make those handful of changes and will still be all right. Any more than that, I'd worry. Yeah. Uh, I, well, I, I, think you're, I think you're
1: right, and I think... Uh, yeah, to an FA Cup semi-final. None of us want to lose it, but um to not keep our eye on the important game that will be covered in next week's podcast against Arsenal is uh, would be reckless, wouldn't it? So let's let's end with some predictions. David, what's the score going to be in the FA Cup semi-final? Maybe 3-1 City. 3-1, Edward.
0: I'll go 2-0 City.
1: 2-0 and Stephen.
0: Uh, I'll go
3: 3-1, same as David.
1: I'm going for a mighty 4-0 win. And, uh, and, and on, that well, note, right. <laughs> on that optimistic note... let's hope uh, you're right. On that optimistic note, I'm going to bring the show to an end. Really good to talk to you all. Thank you to all the guests. Uh, thank you for listening, and we'll see you again soon.
2: See you at Wembley. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk.